Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And as we are each week, we are back live with Dr. Andrew Wilson. Good morning, Doc. Yeah, good day, Graham. It's uh, I'm down in Melbourne today, and gee, it's chilly, three degrees most of the day, I think. But uh, already, so uh, yeah, thankfully, you know, a nice heated room here, but uh, studio. But it's very cold. In fact, I think it's the coldest, going to be the coldest day in, in 25 years in Melbourne. But it's sunny. I'm not sure the sun counts for very much when it's just three degrees. So, uh, well, look to, to shed a bit of light on it. The Gold Coast. I've been wearing jackets the last few days. It's not much warmer. So, so you know, yeah. it's not. You're not the only one. Although it's a lot colder down there. It's a lot colder, mate. But uh, I've got the big jacket, the beanie, the gloves, the scarf. You name it. So when I go out, I can just about tolerate it. I love it. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, tell you what's not cold, Doc. The Australian property market. No, Graham. We uh, we'll look at the results from last weekend's uh, return to the full market. Of course, the weekend before we had the uh, I was nearly going to say the Queen's birthday. It was the King's birthday holiday weekend or the Monarch's birthday. Uh, what do they call it? But um, uh, so we had the market back up and running everywhere, of course, except Brisbane, which didn't have the holiday. So it was interesting to see just how the market would react after the pause. Now. Let's uh, let's really focus on the time of the year, Graham, because we are coming to the end of the uh, notional autumn selling season. Um, it does run through to the end of uh, June and, and maybe into July, and, and then the market loses focus, of course, for holidays and starts thinking about uh, buyers and sellers start thinking about a spring campaign. Um, so it will be interesting this year to see if we get that uh, normal um, shift in focus, that normal uh, easing of market activity, perhaps some early signs already, but um, because the market has been so strong uh, over the past couple of months and whether that momentum will move into uh, what is normally the quieter period of the year. Uh, I think it will, yeah. but uh, I think we're really primed for a strong spring selling season um, and all the, the economic factors continue to point at a strong uh, economy, Graham. We'll look at that today as well um, and some Interesting signs overseas in regard to interest rates, Graham. Um, we've got uh, the US have put rates on pause for the first time since they began tightening them last May. Uh, and New Zealand, which uh, unfortunately for our brethren or our comrades over the uh, over the ditch, uh, they're in a recession now. They've entered into an official recession and, and their mm. central bank has said that they're not going to raise rates anymore, that they're done. Um, but their rates are over a half a percent higher than, oh, sorry, over a percent higher than where mm. we are at the moment. So, um, yeah, a, a few questions about the policies from uh, the New Zealand uh, Reserve Bank and, uh, and, and Central Doc, Bank. I noticed, I noticed, Doc, in the minutes being released from Australia's Reserve Bank, there's some interesting commentary for the first time in a long time around the psychology of consumers. Because they made a lot of comments that they were they were this close to pausing at the last rise, but they were talking about the psychology, the psychological effect that would have on borrowers and all that sort of jazz. So I'm finding that interesting. Now they're not necessarily even talking about economic policy anymore. They're talking about psychology at the Reserve Bank. Well, you know, where was that <laughs> discussion in April when they paused? What? <laughs> 
you know. Uh, the word the, true. The well, they could have just gone half a percent and be done with it and scared people if we're going to look at the psychology of it all. Exactly, Graham. And, uh, you know, as I said, uh, they're, they're a little bit all over the shop at the moment. Their commentary uh, on releasing, uh, on making the decision a couple of weeks ago to raise rates again in June uh, was certainly seemed to have a harder tone to it than recent in terms of its uh, uh, determination to tackle inflation. And uh, but as I said, since it maybe you know since then, of course, we've we've seen uh, the international scene changing slightly. That's not to say that they've controlled inflation because they haven't. The US. Uh, or uh, or New Zealand, but um, uh, I think they're wary of the consequences, you know, the downturn consequences, potential downturn consequences of high rates. So they're wanting to give everybody a bit of a break. But uh, I'm a bit of a believer as you, as you go and you go until you can stop, not you go, you stop, you go, you stop, you know. Um, I'm not sure that achieves much and I'm not sure it's a good, uh, you know, confidence tick for central banks when they're saying one thing one month and then they're saying something else the next month. So um, interesting times we live in, but there's no doubt that uh, our economy is still roaring along, Graham, and we saw that with the latest um, unemployment data that was released. The May data was released last week. Uh, this was going to be a very important data set because if we remember the, uh, the uh, month before, we had a, a first real sign of easing of our economy with unemployment rates rising um, and, uh, you know, employment falling and unemployment rising. But, you know, we've now got to have a real close look at those ABS statistics, Graham. Uh, I think we've now got to take them with a grain of salt um, and, uh, you know, particularly around the seasonal adjustment factors because, uh, as we'll see shortly, the data for May was very, very strong again. So I think that uh, perhaps May's data was a little bit too strong and April's data was a little bit too weak. So, but nonetheless, you can only, I suppose, go on the official data. But uh, I do think the ABS is having a lot of problems with their seasonal adjustment. They even mentioned in the um, uh, in their commentary regarding the labour market that uh, they were, you know, that the the lower result in April was because of holiday distractions. You know, hello, that's what seasonal adjustments supposed to do. You know. The weak months are made stronger, you know, the holiday months are made stronger and the non-holiday months are made weaker, you know, to get everything balanced out. It's like a handicap in a race, Graham. It's you a, know? a bit funny, though. We're, we're going to call it seasonally adjusted to adjust and handicap for that ebb and flow. Then we're going to yep. make commentary about adjusting for the adjustment. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. What? It's what? So this, is this the seasonal adjustment of the seasonal adjustment, right? They could have been so, wrong and they were right. right about being wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So my head is spinning. But, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, look, I'm, I'm a little sympathetic to them because everything's been turned upside down through COVID. Um, you know, COVID, we had weak months which were supposed to be strong. And we had strong months, which were supposed to be weak, and that was because we were coming in and out of lockdown. So it's going to take because you know seasonal adjustment models are, are pretty logical and basic. There's not some real rocket science. They just over a period of time look at the averages and look at those months which move below the average, and they say, okay, we've got to give them a lift. We've got to adjust them upwards. 
And those months which are above the average, it, uh, the adjustment process pulls them back downwards, and that's the seasonal adjustment process. But you've got to have a, a robust average, Graham, to work on. And this is the problem when we're looking back, you know, a couple of years to get those averages, um, they're being affected by COVID, you know, which was still, you know, a big issue in 2021 in terms of lockdowns uh, affecting activity. So I- I'm sympathetic to them, but what it means is we need to take uh, the the figures with a grain of salt. And one way of doing that is looking at the raw data, the original data, and then comparing it with the same month last year, uh, the year before, and just seeing what the difference is there. And that gives us a, a, another sense of exactly what uh, what the numbers are, stronger, weaker, the same, you know. But nonetheless, mm. you, you can't discount what is still a very strong economy. Yeah. Well, let's do that, Doc. Let's look at some data and um, see what is, I believe, not so cold the weather is, but the market sure as, sure as anything is pretty hot. Yes, the market, the economy, it's all working together, Graham. Um, so uh, my housing market uh, latest data for the weekly update, always the first with the latest we are here, Graham. We try to be. Uh, we've got some interesting data today. got a fair bit of data, so we'll need to move it along. Um, uh, so the economy is still booming. We've alluded to that already. Uh, the latest um, labour market data uh, saw the unemployment rate fall to 3.6%, Graham, down from 3.7%. Of course, that's just a, a tick upwards from the record low, 3.5%. As we say every month, we haven't seen unemployment rates in the threes since the early 70s, and uh, that's when the uh, the measure for unemployment was taken over three months, not over one month. So this is these are record lows for the monthly surveys. Um, but uh, comparing, you know, where we are in 2023 with way back in uh, 1970, uh, is really oranges and apples here because it was a completely different economy and a completely different Australia then. We were basically a single-income uh, household um, and, uh, you know, it, it shows just how much stronger really these numbers are than, than back then because we're now accounting for uh, many more incomes per household to provide, you know, to have jobs um, and we still have a, an unemployment number very, very low, uh, in fact, at record low level. So down following the uh, increase upwards, of course, we moved from uh, 3.5 to 3.7 the previous month. Now we've gone from 3.7 to 3.6 this month. As I said, a little bit of issues with those seasonal adjustments, Graham, I think. Uh, all our states are uh, recording uh, low unemployment rates. Look at that Sydney, uh, that New South Wales result, which, of course, will reflect Sydney, just 3.1% unemployment rate. Um, in New South Wales, Graham. And again, when we look at the the comparing it to a year ago, you can see that uh, uh, all our markets, with the exception of Western Australia, which had a crazy low unemployment rate last year uh, over May, are lower than where they were a year ago. Uh, and they're all in the threes there. So there's no outliers really, Graham. Very strong results for all the states. Um, and I think it's that consistency in economic performance which is also uh, translating into a consistency with housing market activity as well. So uh, good numbers there for the state unemployment rates over May. Uh, And just to um, move through the actual data, the jobless fell back to 3.6%, as I mentioned, near record low. Look at this, Graham. 
uh, jobs were up after falling in uh, in April. Jobs were up 76,000, 76,000 jobs uh, were created over over May. You know, that's a huge number. Now, these are seasonal adjustment numbers, Graham. Let's remember. So grain of salt here, please. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> a very, very strong result, 76,000. And the unemployment number after increasing over April uh, bounced back for a, a, a decrease of 18,000. So 18,000 fewer people unemployed over May. So uh, again, you know, this is probably a little bit too high, these numbers, and the April numbers were probably a little mm. bit too low. Reserve Bank has conceded those issues with, uh, well, it's conceded that there were holiday factors uh, that affected the lower April numbers. But, you know, given they're supposed to be seasonally adjusted, I, I think that's a bit of a, you know, um, an issue which we've discussed regarding the uh, problems with COVID, how that's changed the seasonal adjustment. So, uh, and I'll tell you what's interesting, Graham. we've got the retail sales coming out next week. So uh, that also has been flatter over April and it'll be interesting to see whether that bounces back, um, similarly to how we've seen the unemployment uh, data uh, or the labour market data bounce back over May. Maybe we'll see a, a pickup in retail sales. Interesting if we don't because that'll be a sign that the market, that the economy is maybe feeling the pinch slightly. But the participation rate, um, which of course measures the proportion of uh of the population that are in the workforce, it fell in April, just marginally, but bounced back up again to that near record high, uh, 66.9%. Uh, that's what it bounced back to. So still, we, we're still, you know, providing just about everybody in the population who wants a job with a job. Uh, as we saw, most, um, most of the states reported low, very low unemployment rates and below where they were a year ago, with the exception of Perth, which was, oh, sorry, Western Australia. Which had a, a ridiculously low three point one percent a year ago, um, but rate increases on this data clearly have had no impact on the economy, Graham. And I mean, this no. is the point. You know, this is the theory that you've got to the way you stop people spending and pushing prices up is to stop them having a job. You know, and uh, that hasn't worked in terms of stopping them having a job to this point of time. And and we've raised rates now. Uh, you know, we've been in this increasing cycle for 13 months and we've raised month, uh, rates, you know, 12, 12, 12 times. So, um, mm. you know, it's actually 14 months, but uh, we've raised rates 12 times and, you know, nothing's happened. Nothing really has happened. And and certainly... Oh, uh, we know, know what has happened. Property values have increased. <laughs> which, hello, what, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> actually, so not, I, we, we, I reckon... Just before rates started rising, you know, a year and a half ago when you and I were talking about this and we kept saying with COVID, this, this correction is probably not as deep and as steep yeah. for anyone who's been tuning in, listening to earlier episodes. So yeah. if there is a correction coming, it's not as deep and as steep as predicted. It's not that bad. But we also talked a lot about when there is that correction of, you know, four and a bit last year, 5%, depending yeah. where you yeah. were. Yeah. You talked a bit, Doc, about the the fact of rising interest rates and that, you know, usually settling home values. Yeah. A couple of times in those old episodes, you mentioned that, say it comes down 4 or 5% when rates go up. You talked a lot about when that fear subsides and that yes. psychology that you said that yes. when it does increase, when rates come down, it actually values increase a lot quicker than they went down. So when rates are, when rates are up, yeah. values drop a bit. But you talked a lot about when rates go down, Values increase 
you know, in contrast, but they do it a lot quicker. Talk yes. a little bit about that, Doc. Well, it's about pent up demand, Graham, because mm. those that were in the market in terms of um, buyers and sellers, you know, when they get the fear campaign, you know, uh, uh, foisted on them. You know, we've seen this. We saw this in 2018. It's a bit of a rerun of that when there were those crazy mm. predictions of house price crashes, um, which is probably the worst fear environment we've ever had in this country, I think, in terms of the housing market that wasn't substantiated because there were no interest rate increases then. Um, but you see buyers and sellers, they sit on their hands, Graham. They say, oh, this yeah. is a bit scary. That's the fear factor, right? No, not doing anything. You know, oh, my God, you know, prices are going to crash. Just listen to the media. Right, mm. uh, so they they sit back. So those that were you know na- naturally in the market, they postpone um, their decisions. So that creates pent up demand. Right, it's like you know the the housing housing market demand is just a river that constantly flows. Mm. Right, it's just created by all those factors we know, uh, household formation, migration, etc. Um, but uh, so it's just a river that's flowing. But when you get the fear factor, it puts a, a dam over the river, right? Mm-hmm. And so it all builds up behind the dam. All that demand builds up, right, because it can't get through because the fear yep. is stopping it. But once the fear eases, now it's not necessarily easing because of, um, you know, higher interest rates creating the fear and then lower interest rates easing the fear because we've still got interest rates rising, Graham, and we've seen prices growing since February, and yet since February, you know, we've had three interest rate increases, right? And in fact, we've had four interest rate increases. So it's not about, you know, interest rates falling. It's about people just saying, no, this is nonsense. I'm getting on with the business. Of, well, uh, you know, well, Doc, not only you're accurate there, but it's a bit of a loaded question because I guess where I'm going with this now is we're going... Forget the, the dams there, the pent-up demands there. It's getting harder and harder to get a home loan approval or investment approval. If the dam was there and we've still got this pent-up demand being released, what are your estimates of what's going to, in a, in a labor market as strong as what we can see on screen now, or those listening at home of what you've heard, what's going to happen if rates start coming down? Well, that's right, Graham, because uh, rates are going up and we're releasing that demand now. That pent-up demand yeah. is being released. And you see, the other factor, Graham, is as that pent-up demand is created at the back of the dam, prices ease, right? So eventually what happens is, you know, those in the market who are perhaps a little bit more uh, aware of the nature of our housing markets, the long-term resilience, they start to think, hey, this is a pretty good time to buy because prices are actually lower than where they were, you know, before we put the dam over. Mm. Um, yeah. So you get that sort of value opportunity driving the market, and that starts mm. with just a little trigger, but that's weakening the dam, you see, and then it starts to flow out, uh, and mm. that's what we're seeing now. And once the flow starts, you get FOMO, fear of missing out, because people say, oh, you know, they notice houses are selling again, prices are rising again, you know, there's you know, 10 maybe more bidders at every auction for, for most properties. Clearance rates are, are skyrocketing and they start thinking, well, if we don't buy now, we're going to miss the boat right. and have to pay more. And that is exactly what's driving the market, I believe, now. Now, we've had uh, some strong results this year in some markets. Uh, most markets are rising. In fact, all markets are rising. But uh, Sydney's the, the the best performer and yet Sydney was the worst performer 
when the market started to ease a year ago or more than a year ago, 18 months ago, following the big boom, post-COVID boom. But, um, you know, Sydney's now just 4% below where it was a year ago. And this is my point, Graham. Most markets are still, even though they've been growing, and even though Sydney's increased nearly 5% so far this year, right, and and that's over, you know, uh, six months, um, so it's it's on track to capture the four percent that it's still got to make up, and this is mm. the point to buyers are thinking, hey, I can still purchase a property here, and I'm getting it at a discount, regardless of those higher interest rates, and my wages are increasing at the fastest rate in ten years. You know, maybe five, maybe ten percent a year for some, uh, and that's covering those bases. And of course, a lot of people don't have big mortgages when they buy. Mm. You know, uh, and they're getting, you know, they're getting all the encouragement because people are there wanting to sell, buy their house, right, or their unit. They're there, you know, so they know they can sell. Now they've just got to find that. And that's gradually building this momentum, Graham, that's been mm. the cause of the, of the rebound. But the, if we do get an interest rate cut, that's the end of the dam, mate. See you later, dam. And that's yeah. what we think. <laughs> You know, and then we get very strong growth going forward. Even a, that, even a pause, Doc. The, a pause is going to have yeah. a couple of spring, a couple of leaks in the dam. Exactly, and I think that the pause, the April pause from the Reserve Bank, added some momentum to what mm. was already reviving housing market activity. And uh, you know, we are in the seasonal, as we spoke about earlier in the show, we are at the seasonal um, changeover. We have two selling seasons in the year, autumn selling season, spring selling season. Uh, August and July, particularly July, are the changeover months when we change from autumn to the spring selling season, and we're right just about there now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Of course, if we have some easing, we'll probably get the usual suspects saying, oh, this is the end of the world again, but it's not. Um, (laughs) And then they'll have to, you know, disappear back, uh, you know, spiders back to their caves uh, when spring <laughs> revives. But that's an essential part of the uh, dynamic, Graham, as you mentioned. We are now seeing pent-up demand released. That was created a year ago uh, when the fear factor was very strong in the market as rate, rates increased for the first time in over 10 years. We're now seeing because we really saw, as you said, a very shallow, uh, a really a, a shallow downturn because Markets showed clear signs from September onwards of improving, Graham. Uh, it was, you know, it, it was, you know, with higher clearance rates and the rate of price decline started to ease. And it was, you know, a logical transition from there to prices increasing again. Um, and now we have boom time clearance rates in Sydney and nearly in Melbourne. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's going forward now. Once we get that dam released, uh, you know, we are going to see you know, all that pent-up demand released and it's got the support of higher wages to push prices up. Um, and if we get lower interest rates, uh, that'll only add to the capacity to push up prices mm. in what is still a booming economy. So, you know, we've still got some uncertainty going ahead, Graham. We need to get rid of inflation. I think perhaps reserve banks are becoming, you know, a bit more accepting of higher inflation for longer than higher interest rates for longer, you know. Mm. Okay. Well, Labor market booming. I hijacked yes. that a bit. Sorry, Doc, but I'm just no, 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 it, no, no. it relevant. Yeah, and it's uh, it is important because um, 
you know, this is the point. We're, we're not seeing any change. Nothing's changing here. You know, the question would be, if we hadn't have raised interest rates, what would be different? Well, we'd probably have higher prices, that's for sure, because we wouldn't have put the dam over the, over the river. But um, we're now seeing that sort of adjustment from lower prices into higher prices, uh, and that'll, that'll, that's, that will probably accelerate, um, you know, uh, going forward. But the question is what happens when we get to peak uh, prices again, which I think uh, we'll do most markets by the end of the year. Uh, then we have to rely basically not on the discount factor, but wage increases. And uh, the question is, will we have that offset by higher interest rates between then and now? I think we've only probably got a couple of interest rate increases ahead of us, Graham, but the data will reveal that. I just think that the Reserve Bank's appetite to have a lengthy period of higher interest rates has, uh, you know, just starting to wane a little bit. So mm. the other big data out last week, Graham, was migration, and that's part of the okay. story, of course, for housing markets. I mean, migration is not about the dam. You know, they just come here, mate, and they've got to live somewhere. Um, and uh, we saw this is the latest data which was released last Thursday, um, and it's um, a little backward looking. It's December quarter. We do look at overseas arrivals, uh, Graham. From time to time, which is a bit more timely. That's a monthly data set, but this still gives you the big picture in terms of the real, um, and, and that's just about visas, that overseas arrival data. But this mm. is about, uh, you know, the net position of Australia's population. So overseas migration is booming. Look at that data, Graham. Um, wow. Yeah, no, no surprise that uh, no surprise that uh, Melbourne, or sorry, Victoria, is now leading the pack in terms of. Uh, Migration, they're the black line at the top. In fact, they're, they're now, of course, it's a lot of catch up going on, but they're now, uh, rising or, or having net estate migration or annual migration. Sorry, this is total net migration. So it's the difference between people coming in and leaving. Um, and Victoria is now at the head of the pack, uh, and, and just below New South Wales. So, you know, again, a very important factor in housing market activity particularly rental market activity, Graham. Um, so, you know, very strong population growth as a result of net migration over, and that's the year to December, right, uh, that we're measuring. And you can see the big hole there that happened as a result of lockdowns when we mm. closed our borders. And now we're, we're certainly making up for lost time. Look, look the, 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 the angle of the increase is just about the same as the angle of the decrease during yeah. lockdown for... Uh, for Victoria and uh, and New South Wales. Interestingly, there, Queensland's still up there. Uh, it's yeah. never a stronger state. Uh, and these are actual numbers, and, of course, it's a smaller state than uh, New South Wales and Victoria uh, in terms of its uh, population size. Um, but Queensland's still up there. And, of course, this is still, this is year, so this still reflects a lot of that interstate migration that uh, Queensland uh, benefited from during lockdown as all those... Uh, I guess we could say lockdown refugees moved out of Sydney and, and to <laughs> a large degree uh, Melbourne. So this is the position, New South Wales, when we look at overseas migration. So this is net overseas migration, absolutely skyrocketing numbers there, 130,000 plus net migration over the, uh, over the year uh, and 120,000 in Victoria. Victoria usually is the leader for net uh, uh, overseas migration, Graham. And um, we'll probably see that eventuating, but this is a very big number for New South Wales. Uh, so, mm. you know, again, reflecting those terrible rent 
increases we're seeing in the Sydney market, I believe, uh, is all about absolutely this uh, migrants wanting somewhere to live. Uh, Queensland's still the top for interstate migration. Um, and, of course, that still reflects that COVID lockdown period. And, and we will see that ease uh, over uh, over coming months when we get the next set of data out. Uh, and still losses out of Victoria there, just under 10,000. But that's way below uh, the 25,000 they had over the previous period, mm. Graham. So they're also moving, you know, it's rebalancing, of course. People aren't, you know, fleeing Victoria uh, into Queensland um, at the same rate, uh, and that'll, that's just adjusting. And as I said, this still does cover part of that COVID lockdown uh, period. So um, big numbers there for migration, Graham. Of course, it uh, it does. It's an important factor in what's happening in our housing markets, particularly in our rental markets. Um, maybe not so much in the in the, the buying market, um, but that will come. And uh, you, because most a lot of the buying is occurring in mid to higher price sections of our Australian housing markets, and of course that's not really the migrant uh, demographic. Um, mm. But uh, you know that will come. But I think you know we're really seeing a surge in demand for rental properties uh, as uh, exacerbated by you know this very these very big migration numbers. And and this isn't going to change, Graham. They're not going to say, "Oh, we better ease back." Whatever. No, they're going to. You know, continue yeah. to look at the demand that migration creates, um, and just think, well, you know, it, that the cards fall where they where they do. You know, because there's really no way to uh, to um, to fix the terrible undersupply we have uh, in, in housing in this country. So more rents. So we can see that the interstate migration for Victoria, the net interstate migration, how that's easing now as we come out of lockdown. So we're going to have a very, very fast look, Graham, at the top regional markets, which we do every month, first here uh, with the top regional markets. I've just focused here on the best performers over the past two years. So, um, you know, those uh, those that are interested can uh, can uh, get the copy of this presentation and uh, look at this in some leisure. Dubbo and Aubrey, woof, and Wagga, look at that. Yeah, big numbers there in terms of the top performers over two years. I think that reflects that they, their markets, which have good value, if you look at their medians yeah. compared to the other uh, the others, uh, I think they've increased. As I said, we're looking at the two-year performances today uh, just to, to show that, that those value perceptions or opportunities eventually even capture the, you know, people are, are pushed out of a particular higher-priced markets and those that are looking for uh, you know, opportunities, investors particularly start looking at those more affordable markets, which do t- uh, traditionally offer higher yields, um, but, uh, you know, and, and they become undervalued. And plus, of course, those that are moving out or have moved out as a, as a result of the COVID issues uh, look for the affordable uh, opportunities. But uh, And even locals, Graham, are driven by the fact that, uh, you know, they've got higher wages. Um and they can pay more for property. But, uh, yeah, in New South Wales, we've seen there the, the lower price markets, some very strong results over the past two years. Um, Victoria, uh, results aren't quite as strong in Victoria, but the top regionals there with Bendigo, Latrobe uh, and the Surf Coast. Again, um, Bendigo, mid-priced market, Latrobe, a lower-priced market. So there's not that same drive that we saw in New South Wales, but we know prices when we reflect on the Sydney market, are higher in New South Wales than in the other capitals. But uh, 
I thought it was interesting that the surf coast there has had a very strong result over the past two years, Graham, uh, mm. and that's a high-priced market and a very it, it, it's a um, a real boutique market if I could call it that. The surf coast um, down you know south of the Ballerine Peninsula, uh, yeah. you know areas such as Lawn and Torquay and Ocean Grove, you know, uh, have become very popular with those that do have a flexible work environment, uh, and I think that reflects that those big numbers uh, or certainly the strength of that that market. But, uh, you know, Latrobe, good value, pushed up prices there. Again, similar to uh, uh, similar to um, uh, what we saw in New South Wales. And Bendigo is really sort of uh, flexing its muscles at the moment. It traditionally uh, tracks a Ballarat. Ballarat uh, locals won't be too happy to see Bendigo up and running above them by those sort of margins in there. Uh, but they're not too far away in terms of the median. Uh, Queensland, again, look at these numbers in Queensland, Graham. Over the past two years, uh, Bundaberg, 40% higher. Fraser Coast, 42% higher. And Noosa, which had a real COVID boom up, um, you know, over 40%, nearly 50% over the past two years. And look at that Noosa median, 1.2 million, uh, Graham. Uh, you know, very strong results there. Um, and, uh, and Toowoomba also with some, uh, strong results. So again, yeah. Value and COVID have driven those markets. And the smaller markets there, we like to include our smaller uh, uh, states, Graham, and uh, we can see there that in uh, Tasmania, Glenorchy and Launceston uh, have had the best results there, good result there for Launceston, uh, 16% increase over the past two years. And um, uh, Palmerston is uh, and uh, just ahead of Darwin there in terms of its performance. So they are, we do the regions as well. It's not just about capital cities here, Graham. So, you know, if you're in a region, you can get a feel for how your markets uh, are performing. And we might do a regional rent report as well coming up um, just Sounds to show good. how the rent markets are, are performing in those major regions. So uh, as we start to wind up, we finish up as usual with our weekend auction market activity. Uh, and as I previewed earlier in the show, uh, it was a bounce back weekend. The weekend before last weekend was the Monarchs, the King's birthday holiday everywhere in our major auction markets except Brisbane. Um, so we had sort of obviously results which were affected by holidays two weeks ago. So this was the, the market rebounding or coming back in full. And as we always do, you can see why we use auction uh, results, weekend auction results, because they're a terrific forward indicator of what's happening in the market. You can see there how Sydney prices clearly track auction clearance rates and the same thing in Melbourne. So keep your eye open for auction clearance rates. They'll tell you how the market's performing, not just up or down or, or sideways, but also at what rate the market is performing as well. And it's a potential for recovery too, I think, is shown in where the level of auction clearance rates are. Um, so, yeah, the market's generally bounced back following those distractions of the previous weekend. More positive results for most sellers, uh, Graham. And, of course, the booming Sydney market produced another clearance rate above 80% following a similar result two weekends ago. So we've had two out of three, Graham, above 80%. You called it a couple of weeks ago um, and uh, you're spot on. And uh, it was only really the holiday pause that uh, we haven't had an 80% clearance rate. So let's see how we go for the last uh, June uh, auction weekend, which is coming up this weekend, 
and uh, whether we'll start to see a little bit of that winter freeze coming in, and I don't mean the well, temperature. I actually got a couple of messages on social media, Doc, telling me I was a moron and there was no boom coming in Sydney. I said, well, I define boom, <laughs> the word, as 80% or above yep. clearance rates. And I said, I reckon you'll see them week on week on week for the next few mo- weeks or months. And yep. here we are. Maybe I was an yeah. idiot. Maybe I was first to claim it. <laughs> I think I was first Maybe to claim it. Claim it Graham. And there's no doubt that... Uh, there's no doubt that there's some consistency there. We've been really close to 80% for the best part of two months in Sydney. Um, so I guess you were just looking at the trend rationally. Uh, and when well, we finally- no, I get to sit here with you each week, Doc, and I look at the data and you give yeah. context to the data. And yeah. every single week I can see if it's trending up, down or indifferent. So, guys, please take – Doc, you say something, take a scientific yeah. data-driven approach to where you're buying, selling, exploring, et cetera. It's not that hard to follow if you invest a bit of time in this. Each week, Doc's giving you the data for free. I try to make it a bit interesting and a bit funny and make sure it's relative to our listeners and community. The data, Doc, for me, I sit and go, I can see a trend. I can see what's happening. Yeah, and we try to provide as real-time data as we can. So it's not about looking backwards. And our data sets, I believe, are very robust and resilient. They're well planned out. Uh, and I think that's why you see that they cover not only are we we're the first in the market, but I think we're, you know, as accurate as anybody else. And in fact, maybe more, but uh, that's always an argument you have between your competitors. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and, and I think that's the point. You clearly see the trend. And that's what we're trying to do is not just look at prices, whatever. We like to have a correlation of factors not just the data, the price data, auction clearance rate data, you know, days on market data, et cetera, um, but also the drivers of the market. And that's what we've looked at today, the economy and migration, which are clear drivers. And is it not a surprise that uh, we're talking about that Sydney market there, that, um, you know, Sydney's got these, you know, this now a, a consistency of 80% clearance rates plus clearance rates, but it also has near record low unemployment and uh, it's the strongest capital now for um, inter- international migration, you know, so and, and remarkable numbers. So these are, these are obviously factors. And, of course, in terms of the, the buyer and the seller, the prices are still below where they were a year ago, you know, and, and that booming economy is also creating very strong wages growth that is helping to offset those, uh, those higher interest rates. So... This is the data from last weekend, Graham. You can see 500 auctions in Sydney, uh, which was, you know, pushing up towards 200 more than the weekend before. 81.9% clearance rate. And look at last year, the same post-holiday uh, weekend last year, Graham. We had 59.6% clearance rate. And of course, that's when the fear factor was hot as hot as hot, um, you know, and people were having the hell scared out of them. Um, because of predictions of 20% prices, price falls, you know, um, yeah. which of course didn't eventuate. So look at that. That's, that's a remarkable, you know, 20% more difference in clearance rates just a year later. And if you had told that to people saying we're going to get an interest rate increase every month, except one, uh, from now until June next year, and our prices are, are going to be rising again and our clearance rates are going to be at boom time levels, they'll say, no, you're crazy, mate. You're, you're, we're going to take you away. Uh, but we, that's the results. Now, Melbourne, big, w- very low numbers over the holiday uh, uh, in, in Melbourne, Graham, just 253 auctions. But Melbourne typically loves a, a long weekend. And uh, 
they uh, they vacated the the auction market more or less over the holiday, but roared back last weekend six hundred twenty two auctions and quite a solid clearance rate seventy five point four percent, perhaps a couple of percent lower than we would have expected, um, but still a very good result there for sellers uh, and still pushing up towards that eighty percent result. Uh, Brisbane are now another good result despite a big lift in auction numbers in Brisbane over twenty auctions increase in auctions. Um, and a 68% clearance rate. These clearance rates that Brisbane are getting now, Graham, and we discuss this every weekend, are now looking like, you know, the strong results they got, um, you know, during that exodus, that migration exodus that fueled the market in 2021. We typically see clearance rates in Brisbane around about 50%, uh, but when we get over 60% in Brisbane, you know something's happening, and we can see that with other data points uh, price rises in Brisbane now, and that, that market looks like it's up and running again. Um, and it was the strongest market or the last market in Adelaide were the last markets to ease last year, following the, and their booms continued on. But now it looks like, again, it's going to be a very shallow correction period for Brisbane, Graham, and um, those these results are quite strong. Adelaide uh, has just tracked back a little bit over recent weekends. We can't be sort of knocking the Adelaide results, 75% is still a seller's market, but it's below those 80% results that it uh, that it has been getting. And uh, Canberra also uh, down a little bit over uh, over what it's been, uh, uh, its revival that we've noted over recent, uh, over the past month or so. But again, just a handful of auctions, Graham, just 32 auctions. So not a lot there to base uh, what's mm. happening in the market. So a good result there for our auction markets coming back after the holiday. Uh, as I said, we're now entering or getting close to, you know, a couple of weeks away, a week away, who knows, the winter selling season, which is obviously a, a, a subdued period of the year. It is the bridge between the, the the stronger parts of the year, the autumn selling season and the spring selling season. And it'll be interesting to see if this momentum continues through the winter market, Graham. Um, which is typically when buyers start to think about a spring sell and sellers start to think about a, a spring campaign. So um, if we look at the month, we can see just how things have changed over the year. Sydney about 20% clearance rates uh, higher compared to, to June last year, and this is the, the total to June. So that's three weekends clearance rates. Similarly, Melbourne well ahead of a year ago. Um, Brisbane around about the same. So, And, of course, as we mentioned, Brisbane was coming out of a strong period there of activity driven by the migration, interstate migration. Uh, Adelaide a little bit lower than uh, a year ago, um, but still a strong result. And, and Canberra just ticked down a little bit over the last two weekends with low numbers, um, but still ahead of where it was a year ago. So uh, you can get those auction results every Saturday evening for the snapshot of the Capital City results at around about quarter past, half past six, and then on Sundays you'll get the full um national report with the regional breakdowns for Sydney and Melbourne and the top sales for all the capitals, uh, and that comes through on Sunday mornings, uh, later on Sunday morning. So look out for that one on my LinkedIn network. And uh, next week, Graham, we're going to have the June results for house and unit prices. So first with the news next week, June house and unit prices, and that'll cover the capitals. And we'll also look at the regions for the capital cities. So not the regions which were country regions we looked at today or non-capital regions. We'll see how the regions in the capitals are doing, right? So that's the each yeah. of the capitals' regions. We'll have a look at how they're going. What are the best performers there? 
And, of course, we'll look at the latest weekend auction results. So uh, another big weekend in property, Graham. Uh, economic, important economic data with the um, uh, labour market uh, for May, uh, which again was strong. Well, not again, but certainly was strong. Um, no sign of easing there, but some question marks over the uh, over the seasonal adjustment uh, process from the ABS and, of course, migration, which is this is a flood of migrants, Graham. This is unprecedented mm. in terms of migrant growth. Of course, it's unprecedented because we're, we're coming from nothing. <laughs> you know, it's like our interest rates started at nothing. Our migration started at nothing. So it's it's obviously, but there's a lot to absorb there if you're looking for somewhere to live um, coming through. So uh, absolutely. Uh, next week will tell us what June did. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not following, I'm not a big LinkedIn user to be honest. I'm bloody busy, but and I know Doc's not an avid user, but he definitely publishes all of this data. Live pretty much within a minute or day, a day or so of producing it. So definitely tune into Doc Wilson's LinkedIn or stay tuned on the YouTube and the podcast with us. But as always, Doc, much appreciated. And we'll see you next week for another big week of data, I'm sure. It will be, Graham. Good on you. See you soon. <laughs>